Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Now, if you guys aren't familiar with Exodus Trail Cameras, I'm going to recommend you go to their website. Tons of great information about their products, right? The cool part is, is they're turning four. They're having their fourth anniversary and to celebrate they are offering 25 percent off their exodus lift to their trek and their new solar panel and this is running from may 15th to may 28th um, they have a ton of great uh, features right i don't have enough time to share all of those features in this little time frame that i have to talk about it but here's what i'm going to tell you i have a camera off their very first run and it has not given me any problems at all, right? Put the SD card in, format the card, turn it on, and it takes pictures, period, right? And that's what we want trail cameras to do. They work every single time. Take advantage of this. 25% off. Go to their website, exodusoutdoorgear.com. Do some research about all the functionality of their cameras, right? You can take a look at their price. You can find the one that's right for you. You can enter the discount code YEAR4, Y-E-A-R, the number four, and save 25%. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting, the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet, Chasing Bear. Man, Onyx with baiting is basically equivalent to hunting out of a helicopter with a machine gun for hogs. And Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent, helicopter, machine gun is equivalent to baiting bear using Onyx. Yeah. With Colby Moorhead. Yeah. Okay, bam. There and we go. Smokey. And Smokey. Yeah, Smokey should not be fair chase. Yeah, Smokey's not fair chase. <laughs> 
This is the third podcast in our Montana Tour series. We did a podcast with Justin and Rebecca Spring. Justin is the director of records for the Boone and Crockett Club. We did a podcast with Jim Sessions and Jared Peterson with Huskamaw Optics and Best of the West Rifles and Cody Wyoming. This podcast is where Colby Moorhead, the Bear Tech, and I sit down and talk about our do-it-yourself, mule-based, Montana, backcountry, spring, black bear hunt. This is a in-depth podcast that we just go through all the details of our hunt. You're going to be able to watch this hunt at some point very soon on the Bear Hunting Magazine YouTube channel. And we want to invite you to check out our YouTube channel. And uh, we've got some incredible videos on there that you're going to enjoy. Without further ado, I want to continue to remind you about our Patreon page. The Bear Hunting Magazine Patreon page is designed for those who want to support the podcast, but also our YouTube channel, which is free content. So check out Patreon, but more importantly, or likewise, or both, check out Bear Hunting Magazine. Bear Hunting Magazine is the world's only all bear hunting print magazine. We've been in print for 20 years. By supporting Bear Hunting Magazine, you are supporting the ancient and honorable culture of hunting in North America. And uh, it's a great magazine. We print six issues a year. We work hard. We work hard to make it as relevant and as real as possible. We're not just trying to fill the pages with stuff. We really are trying to give show the full gamut of bear hunting in North America. Hey, you're going to enjoy this podcast. We talk about the challenges of the hunt. We talk about uh, bears. We talk about hunting out west. It's a great podcast. You're going to enjoy it. This podcast is going to be the third or fourth in our Montana tour series of podcasts. So, Colby Moorhead and I, the Bear Tech, got back about 10 or 12 days ago from Montana. Yep. About 10 days ago. Today, we're at the global headquarters, and we've had 10 or 12 days to ruminate upon the events of our... We were gone 11 days Yeah. on our do-it-yourself Montana mule-based black bear hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, let me give just a little bit of the... the the story behind this year. I This was my third trip to Montana. In 2015, I went to Montana with my wife. We drove up there, and we hunted in western Montana. We were kind of hosted by Justin and Rebecca Spring near Missoula, Montana. They told us some places that we should go, and we did a backpack-based five-and-a-half-day hunt. No equine animals. We just packed in gear. I think I had a 60-pound pack. Misty carried like a 45-pound pack. We went into the backcountry for five full days. The first day we were there, we saw a sow and a cub. We didn't see bears for four days. Finally, on the fifth day, we saw a bear that we couldn't get to, Big Boar. It was our first, like, western backcountry hunting experience. Uh, I came away from that hunt with, kind of with my tail tucked between my legs, really, because it was a difficult hunt, I mean, we, and we didn't kill a bear. And to me, it's always such a, it is a difficult thing to invest that much time and energy into a hunt and you not get what you went there for. 
obviously that's part of fair chase hunting is that there are no guarantees. Um, So with the knowledge that I'd gained from this hunt in 2017, Jim Sessions and I from uh, Huskamaw Best of the West went back to pretty much the same region of Montana on a equine based hunt. We really didn't have that much information. Jim is a veteran Western hunter, but he'd never been to these areas before. And we went up to Montana and we hunted for six full days. And we, the closest that we got to a bear was like a thousand yards for real. Mm-hmm. Um, super difficult hunt. And, and we didn't kill any bears, but I learned. So, so now I have these two, six days, five and a half days, 11 and a half days in Montana. And I, and, and what people were telling me was, or what I was seeing from my sources in Montana, my local sources is that guys were killing bears basically by driving around, being mobile, and finding bears in clear cuts, walking roads. In the, in the com- and so, I mean, these guys were kind of like, wow, Clay, you spent 11 days in Montana and you didn't kill a bear? You're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I kind of agreed with them in a sense because I knew that the methods that they were employing were probably more effective but it was more important for me to do it kind of the way I wanted to do it in terms of it being a backcountry hunt. And then we introduced mules and horses, which to me is the way that I want to spring bear hunt in the West. That's just the way I wanted to do it. I've got, uh, we'll get into my mules and stuff. And so they were like, you're doing it wrong. You should have killed a bear. Um, and these people were trying to help me, obviously. These were like my friends. And so what we did in 2019 was we did kind of a morphed hunt between these two things, which we brought equine animals. We were in backcountry, but the equine animals allowed us to access areas that we just probably couldn't have on foot in a day or two and carried all the equipment that we needed, but we were mobile. We went to multiple different places in the times past, I had locked myself into certain regions. Like I would be like, we're going to this place and we're going to stay there for six days. Well, this time we said, hey, we're going to be mobile. We're going we're gonna to day hunt into places on the mules and then come back out. If we get in there and find critters, we're going to stay there. We're going to camp, but we're going to be mobile. And that's what we did. Yeah. So that, that brings you up to, the, to, to speed with what we're talking about. So in this podcast, we're just going to talk about the details of the hunt. We did a gear-related podcast before. But the, the cool thing is, is that Colby went with me. How many days before this hunt did I, like, say, Colby, you're coming with me to Montana? Maybe like six. Six or seven. Six or seven days. Yeah. Yeah. So you had plenty of time to prepare and to oh, get yeah. physically in shape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It was you trial did, by fire. Jump, you didn't jump on, like, the, the trendy fitness plan to, like... No, I, I figured that my uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to get through my first initial soreness before we were going to be there. Yeah. From, like, really hitting it. I don't even have Arkansas legs yet at this point. <laughs> and it's like, let's go to Montana. <laughs> Trekking poles saved my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it was a unique situation. I was looking for somebody to go that, f- first of all, I needed a video man, Colby. Yeah. yeah. And uh, 
I needed a video man. A documenter. And I, and I needed somebody that was flexible. And that's why I didn't – I mean, there was lots of people that could have gone and would have enjoyed going. But I needed somebody that was flexible because we were basing this trip based a lot upon the weather. Yeah. And I wanted to do an early season hunt. But I didn't want it to be too early. And so, I mean, just a week before we went is really when we decided we were going to go. And then we even delayed it. Mm-hmm. I think you had six days before we originally planned, but then we delayed the trip five days. So you actually oh, had 11 so. days. So you could have been in shape by then. <laughs> yeah. You totally could have been. No, and so I totally sprung this on Colby. And so there were a couple of challenges in that we were going to – this was going to be a mule-based hunt, and you'd never ridden a mule. No. So how did you – how did we them. prepare you for this? 20 minutes on the back of Smokey. <laughs> At my house. The, the day before we left. Yeah, literally – the day before we left, or two days before? No, it was the, it was the, it was the, that Saturday we left Sunday night. That's right. Yeah, I was like, hey man, we probably better make sure that like everything's okay and that. And so we we this this was my friend Trey Autry's mule. If you watched our our film Hundred Dollar Squirrel, there's a white mule that Trey Autry rides, and uh, we borrowed Smokey. And Smokey's like we don't even know how old he is, but he's just like a old warrior safe. Like just a dead broke awesome mule, yeah. and so I knew that Colby would be safe because that was my number one thing. Is I I knew he couldn't ride a young mule like I'm riding. Just it, you would have you'd probably been killed. Uh, <laughs> but I knew Smokey'd take care of you. But still, some close calls. Well, we had some close calls. But so you came to my house. We saddled up. We I just basically said, all right, get up there, go for. I said, ride for thirty forty five minutes. Just yeah. Kind of get your feel on this animal. Found out I had legs shorter than a schoolgirl. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna let you tell that story. We had to make we had to we had to alter well, the stirrups Trey, eventually. Well, you remember Trey? Okay, I'm gonna have to tell you. The tell story. it, yeah. So like, we borrowed this saddle from Trey, and Trey goes, "Clay, my daughter rode this mule last time, and so these stirrups are like really short. You're gonna have to lengthen them, <laughs> if only." <laughs> and so. When Colby gets on the mule, he's like, is there any way to make these stirrups shorter? <laughs> and I was like, man, a 13-year-old girl rode this thing last time. But she's all legs. She's all legs. Well, so Colby. She must be. She must be. I don't know. Colby, uh, so he rode the mule. Everything was good. He did good. And, I mean, it was just like, I, I, I knew you could do it, though. And that's an ultimate compliment, for real. Yeah. I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't have taken somebody that I knew would fail. I knew that you would have the mental stability and toughness to do it. Because that's what it takes. Yeah. I mean, people get scared of equine animals. Yeah. Almost almost everybody that I talk to about mules and horses that have experience with them in the backcountry, unless they are a straight-up cowboy or just love equine animals, you either love them or you hate them. And there's a whole lot more people that hate them than love them. And when you dig down into why people hate them, it's because they're afraid of them. And, and it's not their fault. I'm not faulting someone for being afraid of an animal that uh, they've had a bad experience with. Because tons of people, and, and that would have been me even three or four years ago. But for some reason, Colby, I knew that you could handle it. Um, and I knew that, that smoke was going to be safe, as safe as a mule could be. Yeah. He's not a big mule. Um and I and he's old, and I've just been around him enough and seen Trey mess with him enough to know that he's he was the he was the one for the job for you. 
Yeah. And so, but, so we, so th- there's many things on this trip that we were totally testing out. Like yeah. I had already been to the Montana backcountry, but we had never carted stock all the way across the country. Which has I mean, its challenges for sure. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, so from Northwest Arkansas to let's just say Montana is, is 24 hours on the GPS. Yeah. And that is driving the speed limit and doesn't include stops, stops and different yeah. things. And so when you're, when you're, when you're pulling a trailer full of mules, full of equipment, you're not driving the speed limit most of the time. No. You're, you're I don't driving. think we ever hit the speed limit. Yeah. I mean, Rare. just rarely. Rarely, yeah. And so we're like, the trip took, I, I couldn't tell you how long, many more, probably six more hours. And it's it probably a 30 hour. We're probably on the road 30 hours. Yeah. Counting the times we stopped and everything. Yeah. And, but I want to say that that in itself was probably the most uh, challenging or stressful part of the the trip for me yeah because i was using a a horse trailer that probably was built in the 1960s yeah for real the old horse trailer and if you saw a hundred dollar squirrel you saw me say that you can tell a lot about a man's expendable income by his mule trailer well but there was a there was some major upgrades to this to this trailer no doubt yeah had some fresh paint Yep. Some some official bear hunting magazine stickers. Yes. Yeah. It and looked good and, though. And some new shoes. Yes. We put we so we did our homework with this trailer though. I had the re the bearings repacked a couple of whenever ago. We we painted it uh just for just so we wouldn't be profiled on the highway. It's like man, those guys are no telling what they got in the back of that. I mean yeah. like drug dealers. That's I mean, what I was thinking. I mean the roof even matches the truck. So I mean we're color coordinated. It looked good. Yeah. Got our stickers on there. Got our insurance, our, you know. I got, uh, yep, I got a equine-based, like equine, it was called uh, American Equestrian or something. Yeah. But what I was thinking was, what do you do when you're in downtown Denver or downtown Kansas City and you have a flat tire on your trailer in rush hour traffic and four-lane interstate and you got these animals that you you aren't getting them out of the trailer at that point. Yeah. I mean, on the side of the highway, you know, if you're sitting there for four or five hours trying to figure out what to do. And anyway, now for like 150 bucks a year, I bought this equestrian insurance. And basically, if you break down, your trailer breaks down, your truck breaks down, anywhere in the country, they will send a wrecker service that's equipped to help people that are traveling with equine animals. They bring yeah. water and hay and they have boarding facilities put up. Like, say you blow a motor, yeah. you know, and you're not going to be back on the road in three hours, you know. So that was that was good. Yeah. Uh, got new tires. Um, but we, we made it the first day to Spearfish, South Dakota, and stayed with one of our good friends up there mm-hmm. that has a farm, and we were able to put the animals in a corral. So that was about a 14-hour trip to Spearfish, South Dakota. And from Spearfish over to western Montana, was another well by by map another ten hours, and uh, so by the time we got to Spearfish, I felt like our equipment was solid and that we were going to make it up there. Yeah. All right. And uh, so that was just part of the battle that a lot of people wouldn't think about. But you can't you can't keep animals in a trailer for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, for like twenty hours, you know. Yeah. You, you want to let them out about every, every eight hours at least. 
let them walk around, let them stretch their legs, let them roll if they want to roll, give them some grass, just kind of let them be horses and mules. Yeah. Um, and so we did that. Um, we, we then made it to Montana. Yep. Um, once we made it to Montana, we went and met with our friends and stayed with them. And basically, we the first evening we were there, we bought our tag, and so we had to wait 24 hours. We bought our tag at 11 o'clock on the day we entered Montana. We had to wait 24 hours before that tag was ready, so we couldn't hunt the next day till 11 o'clock. Yep. That evening, we weren't hunting, but we spotted a bear from several miles away, at yeah. least th- two to three miles away. Mm-hmm. We spotted a bear. And it was in a place we could hunt. Yep. It was on public land. It was in a place where you could just glass forever. And we found a bear on the first day. That was encouraging. Yeah, and we felt like he was mature enough to go after. Yeah. You know, just from a distance, but it it, it didn't look like a juvenile. Yeah, it was a good bear. And we knew that if there was one bear up there that we could see, we thought that potentially on the way into this bear – that we would find other bears. Yeah. So the next day we we figure out how to get into this place, which wasn't straightforward. Like from where we spotted it, we were probably only three miles. Yeah. But from the information we had at the time, the only way in there was way around the backside of this mountain range and up on public land because it was kind of separated by some private land. Yeah. Between us and where we saw the bear was private land. So you couldn't just walk straight to this bear. Yeah. So we had to go way around. I mean, like 30-minute drive around, parked in on some public. There's a gated road. And so it starts day one, right? Yeah. The the day of Colby's trials. <laughs> That's what we have labeled it. The day, of Col- the day Colby became a mule skinner. Yeah. So we start off on the mules, and if you've ever ridden equine animals, they're they're always they're always feisty, full of energy, jumpy, ready to roll, like right out of the gate. Yeah. And these animals also have been in a trailer for two full days, and they're new in a new environment. And I'll go ahead and interject here that I was riding my Izzy mule. She's three and a half years old. She's that's young for a mule. That's like, you know. A, a teenager it's like having a 17 year old yeah. you know mature physically 18 you know but but still very young yeah and uh izzy's done phenomenal for me i've I've ridden her extensively in the mountains here in arkansas um and and this hunt really was a lot about me and izzy for for yeah. me it was yeah when i first got izzy in 20 March, February of 2017, uh, she was basically a untouched mule. She had a bridle on her. I mean, the guy that raised her had, you know, he could handle her just a little bit, but I mean, untrained. Yeah. And, and I trained Izzy and it was the first time I'd ever trained a mule and it was an incredible life-changing experience. Yeah. Truly was. Um, I learned a ton about training animals and the whole point in my mind was to get deeper and stay longer in wild places. That's yeah. why I had this mule. And I wanted to take her to Montana. That's what I wanted to do. It's just just kind of in the mule world when you hear people say, oh, that mule's been out west. 
Yeah. You're like, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Like that, that's kind of like the, the status factor for mules, mm-hmm. you know, because if you, if, if you could trust that animal to take it all the way out west and not die, then this is a good animal. If both of you come back okay, it's a really good mule. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so I had this idea that I wanted to take Izzy out west. And so this was that. Yeah. Um, just for somebody that's listening that maybe never has, that doesn't, hasn't been following the Bear Hunting Magazine stuff for a while, the, the video, there's a video on our, the Bear Hunting Magazine YouTube channel right now that uh, has over a million views. And it's an 11-minute video that encompasses the full training experience that me training Izzy. Yeah. So it's, it was pretty neat. I mean, it kind of went viral, especially in the equine world. It's called Project Hunting Mule. And uh, there's actually six or seven videos, but the final one has over a million views, just bumped over a million. Yeah. And uh, I was I was fried by the equine community <laughs> in many places. Uh, man, trolls are everywhere. They're yeah. not just in the hunting world, but they're in every world. Yeah. Uh, there's there's people that just love to just get on there and just say you're an idiot. But um, it, is he's a good mule now? Mm-hmm. Um, despite me not being very uh me being green but yeah. uh is he's an incredible animal so back to the start of our hunt we make to montana yeah. we ride and i would within the first hour of the hunt the the ride you you were tested yeah Do you want you want to tell the story and try i don't know if it's better from my perspective or your perspective well you tell the first you tell it then i'll add to it all right yeah, so we get to riding. First, first thing we come against is I, I have to go under a a tree that's fallen, but there's enough space for for me and Old Smokey because we're both short. Yeah, <laughs> I think you got off. Yeah, I yeah. did. I got off. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'll just try it. Might as well. Anyways, so we made it okay. I was yeah. feeling feeling a little bit better, and then we we went up, and there's some switchbacks. And there was, uh, I guess, what you call it, deadfall? Yeah, it was just deadfall. Yeah. In well, the West, there's deadfall all over roads that, just because of the snow and fire that burns up trees yeah. and kills them, that, like, unmaintained roads are just full of deadfall. So we, we'd come off a of main road, and we're on a side old logging trail that was totally unmaintained. Yeah. Oh, well, before we got to to this deadfall, there was uh, the road had a lot of ups and downs. Like, I don't know, it was just really really rough i don't know what you would call that um but it just kind of seemed like carved out to where it's like imagine like several different triangles that you had to go over yeah, yeah. and uh i had a little bit of confidence because smoky took me through it is he was like i don't know what this is you know? oh yeah the dirt piles that's the dirt piles, where, yeah. where yeah they tried to close off the road yeah yeah so they piled up big big piles of dirt yeah keep cars and four-wheelers out of there yeah so so izzy was like i've never seen this before so smoky just trucked on through yeah and then she just followed along and so, like, we would do this thing to where Izzy and Clay would lead, and then whenever we would come to something that uh, maybe Izzy hadn't encountered before she was uneasy about, Smokey right. was like, let me at it. Like, he, yeah. you know, I would have to hold him back not to go. He's yeah. like, I'll show her how it's done on this part, you know. Yeah. He's very, he was a, a, a good mentor for Izzy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> in was. In certain areas, because yep. he just didn't care, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then, anyways, we came to some deadfall to where, like, the – to where the tree had fallen across the road and then uh the low part was on the outside edge of the of the road so there was like a decent like drop off i guess yeah. like a high yeah. high steep degree of of drop beside it and so izzy just went up to it and just stepped over it no problem 
Smokey's a jumper, we found out. Yep. <laughs> he, he went up and he, he looked at it, and then he just decided, I got to jump this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in the part of him jumping, his back leg caught a caught a uh, limb, too. And so I I don't know if – I think this is where your perspective needs to come in. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me say, too, there was all this – there were all these limbs, as we call it in the industry, widowmakers, widow-makers. sticking back towards us. And we were kind of navigating just a small hole through this deadfall. And uh, it actually happened twice in about 30 yeah. minutes, Colby, where we yeah. had to cross these logs. And the first time – Izzy and I made it across, and I turned around just in time to see smoke just sailing through the air. <laughs> and Col- it, Colby wasn't ready for it, I guess. And uh, yeah. oh, I mean, you wouldn't have known. He was yeah. a jumper. I mean, yeah. Izzy stepped over, and that's kind of what you want a mule to do. You really yeah. don't want him to jump. But it was high enough that I think smoke had to jump. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And, uh, and, man, I look back, and I see about eight inches of air between Colby's butt and the saddle. <laughs> and I see – it appeared like your feet were out of the stirrups, too. They I were mean, definitely out of the stirrups. I mean, all you were holding on to was the reins. Yeah. If it, if we could have had, like, a snapshot of that, it would have been incredible. <laughs> and I, I just know. I mean, like, there's not a question. It's like, Colby's going to hit the dirt. Yeah. Like, I knew that. Yeah. And, you know, the, equine wrecks um, basically all involve someone hitting the dirt. Yeah. And it, it, it seems like it wouldn't have been that big a deal, but, I mean, like, you hit the dirt while you're carrying a 40-pound pack. You had a pack on, I think, that time, didn't you? No, we, you didn't have the we pack. dished it that first okay, day. Okay, well, I mean, it sounds simple, but, like, you hit the dirt, you might break your leg. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a steep hill off to the right side. Might roll. I was, I was worried about getting impaled by a deadfall. Yeah. Like, for real. Or, you know, not impaled like you're going to die, but, like, poked. Th- that deadfall could have put a gash in your leg so big you'd ha- we'd had to, i mean there's a lot of different things that could happen yeah anyway i see colby in the he air he tells me now and i just think <laughs> i just think man he's about to eat dirt yeah and man you landed that thing like a like a skier stuck the landing like an olympic skier on those big jumps yeah and bam you stuck it you stuck the landing and i was like all right <laughs> and then we go and just a little bit up the same thing happened again did it not yeah that's the way i remember it. yeah and you did this well. This time I got off Izzy. Oh, okay, that's what and I was that's about. that's when I came over, and I was gonna try to just like be there. I, I didn't know what I was gonna do, but that's when Smoke's back foot, back feet caught the log. Yeah, and the log slammed into the back of my leg as it jumped. Yeah, it was a smaller log. Yeah, and I thought we were both gonna be <laughs> eating dirt. Yeah, and anyway, we stayed on. So yeah. that was. That was the first like trial by fire that you survived. Yeah. To skip ahead just a little bit, the other thing that happened that got you your mule skinner wings was on day two. Yeah. Tell us what happened. I hit the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I hit the snow. It, it was it, almost it, inevitable. It was going to happen at some point. We at the end of day one, we were talking about how I'd have this this full mule experience it was just the stuff that we had done and except for falling off and then day two lo and behold like it was like a foreshadowing of of yeah. events that were a certainty <laughs> uh, yeah yeah and so we're coming we're, we're driving we're, we're coming down a road and there's a big snow bank we're up at about six thousand feet and there's a pretty deep snow bank and uh mules are really self-preserving and my in my mind i was like well if the mules will walk on this snow bank then it's safe 
And so Smoke just is out in front leading, and he's walking across this snowbank. And then you tell me what happened. Well, you know, Clay turned on his GoPro, and he was like, "Oh, this is a cool shot." Well, we're you know we're walking, and all of a sudden, all I see is like Smokey's right front foot just disappears, or his his hoof, his leg, and then. I mean, I get real close to the ground real quick. <laughs> yeah, bam. But so, the, the video makes it look a little graceful, though. Like, it's kind of slow-mo. Slow-mo. So, basically, the Smokey's front right foot just went to the ground, which was about two feet beneath the surface of the snow. Well, I think on the video, that's what we thought happened. And then the video, when we were watching it, he actually just, it looked like he slipped. Okay. Yeah. There's a new, I've watched it again and again. And yeah. now I have even revised what I thought happened. Oh, really? He fell through the snow 100%, just oh. like we thought. Oh, okay. Quickly pulled his leg out of the snow while you're still on him. Yeah. Puts his hoof back on the snow and slips. Oh, okay. So he did both. Yeah. But when he slipped is when you went off canter and splat right yeah. into the snow. Because I could have sworn I saw his leg go through. Go right. Through. Well, you were right. But and then when we watched it, I was like, it didn't even go through the snow. He just slipped. Yeah. It went through the snow, then he slipped, yeah. then he went down, and that's when you went down, and luckily I had all this, it, it was the first time I'd turned on the GoPro the whole trip, Yeah, and I like 30 seconds before I had turned on the GoPro, because it was just, it was really pretty, we're coming across the snow, and captured it on film, which everybody will be able to see, Colby hitting the ground. <laughs> on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and social media platforms. Yeah. <laughs> If you're if you're around me, you've already seen it. I don't know. It's just something cool about it. It's like been, <laughs> look it, what happened. It got him some street cred yeah. around these parts. Smokey broke me in, <laughs> getting dumped off the mule. And then to make a long story short, we rode eighteen and a half miles the first day. Yeah, get, trying to get back to where this bear was. From where we saw it again, it was only three miles. But to get there, we and as the crow flies from where we parked to where the bear was may have only been like five or six miles but the switchbacks like these mountains are super steep and if you're following logging roads you're following these switchbacks and so i mean you would you'd go for a half a mile one direction and turn and go for another half mile back the same direction and look down and the road would be like 75 yards below you so yeah. you've only gained very little mm-hmm but you really can't take these mules up stuff that steep and stay on them. I mean, something that's like at a, I don't know what degree slope it would be, but I'm going to say a 70 degree slope. I mean, like, dang, they're straight up. Mm-hmm. You just can't ride up that stuff. Yeah. Now, a mule could go up it. You could lead that animal up it. But then you might as well just be walking because you're walking up the mountain. Yeah. You know, so I mean, so you, you, you choose to use these logging roads to have these switchbacks. Pretty easy on the mule, but it does take time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, our mules aren't big mules. They're not super fast. They're, uh, they're you know, Izzy's almost 15 hands, and Smoke is probably 14 or less. And, uh, you know, so they're not fast. You know, some guys have these uh, uh, Tennessee Tennessee walking horses and, and, and different things that are probably have a little – little little better pace than our mules but we weren't interested in speed we were just interested in getting there safe and and so that's what we did but first day we we get to the top of the mountain and we realize that we're in too deep to turn around we're further away than than we just couldn't get back really and long story short we make it to 
the spot where we could see where this bear was. And we glassed for maybe 30 minutes from that point. Yeah. And we find the bear. Yep. At 5 o'clock that afternoon. So we started at 11 because we left kind of right when we could start hunting. Yeah. And it took us six hours to get to where, to get within a mile of the bear. Yeah. Because it's not like we were 200 yards from the bear. We were like a mile, but we could see the bear. Yeah. And then we're like, well, here we go. Let's go find him. And so it takes us an hour to ride around to get to where the bear is. We come around this point. I see the bear across a canyon, 650 yards. Well, do you want to talk about my other trial? Which one? The one where we had to lead the mules down from where the one logging road ended down to the lower one. That's where you you turned around and I kept on like rolling and falling. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. We learned that when you get off these animals to lead them, like I was able to lead Izzy pretty easily down these real steep things. And then Colby was coming behind me and Smoke would want to catch up with us. And so Smoke would be like leading me, leading you. And I'd said, whatever you do, don't let that animal go. That was my thing. And so I turn around and smoke is like dragging you down these slopes. (laughs) You're like rolling. Really, I turned around four times in a period of probably four minutes to check on. I mean, I was trying to survive myself. So I wasn't that worried about you, Colby. I'm sorry. (laughs) But every time I turned around, you were on the ground. Yeah. And finally, I just yelled, just let him go. Yeah. And, and, And everything worked out fine. Yeah. Like when we let him go. He just came and got right behind Izzy. That was our method going forward. <laughs> yeah, you just have to let him go. Yeah, but yeah. I, I got I got pretty whooped. <laughs> yeah, he just rolled you down the mountain. And let's jump right to the to the shot because okay. first day. Yeah, first day. First day. This, and remember, this is a culmination of two years of hunting for me. Um, and I had yet to even fire a shot at a bear. And so on the first day, we come around this corner. Bear is six hundred fifty yards. Yep. I want to I want to qualify the shot because I did take a shot at that distance. I'm shooting the best of the West, right long range rifle, and I, I could take some heat for taking a shot that far, and, and I'm okay with that because I know what that gun's capable capable of, and I know what I'm capable of. I'm a good shot with that gun. I've shot it a lot at those distances. Um, the gun is uh, validated, quote unquote, out to 900 yards, which means that it literally has been proven accurate by the best of the West guys before I even got the gun at 900 yards. The Husqvarna turrets, you can dial the yardage in directly. So there's no MOA, there's no calculation, there's no holdover. Okay. Yeah. Usually with a scope, you would say 650 yards, and you would know the amount to hold over the animal, so there's still some guessing that goes on. But with the Huskama system, you know exactly, because there's no guessing, because their turret is in yardage. So you range the bear at 650 yards, and you put, you turn the turret to 650, and you put the crosshairs exactly where you want to hit. And so that's exactly what we did. I, the only thing that we didn't calculate for was the wind. And I've got a super good prone two-position rest rest on the backpack. I had you take your beanie off, put the beanie on the back butt of the gun. I squeeze the trigger and am fully confident that this bear is going to hit the dirt. I've, I've shot extensively at long range with this gun. 
out well beyond 650 yards. And and that would be about the effective range that I feel like I would shoot at an animal, for real. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to shoot one much further than that just because I do know my capabilities. And uh, and and honestly, I can hit a, and this is not this is not uh this can't be equated to how good the best the West rifles are cuz they're actually better than this, but I Clay Newcomb can consistently hit something the size of a beach ball at 800 yards with a two-point prone rest. That's yeah. a good – so, I mean, that's pretty pretty good shooting, size of a beach ball. Yeah. So, big black bear, I mean, that's within bounds. Uh, but 650, you know, you're going to drop that circle down just a little bit smaller, so totally a legitimate shot. But what we didn't calculate was the wind, Colby. Yeah. And there was a crosswind, and at the time from where we were at, there wasn't much of a wind. We couldn't – we couldn't really feel a wind anyway soon after we shot we realized there was a crosswind in this canyon you saw the bullet hit far to the right of this yeah. bear and the bear was unhit yeah he scampered off up, up the mountain looking around trying to figure out what was happening yeah you know heard a clap of thunder heard the dirt pop off to his left and uh or his right and uh so here we are on day one. We've just traveled. I, I believe at this point we're like 12 to 13 miles, I'm not sure, away from the truck per the amount we've traveled per Onyx, okay? Yeah. And um, the so we're in pretty deep, and it's like 6 o'clock, and it's way too far to go back to get to the truck. I mean, if we if we went back the way we came, we'd be riding for – several hours in the dark yeah um and it's at this point that we have to make a decision about how we're going to get out of here and i it's the only time in my hunting career that i've actually thought that i was gonna have to stay the night unplanned on the mountain it was it was getting cold it was getting down below freezing at night we had no tent no sleeping bag no water i think i probably had my jet boil may have had a jet boil like for not sure if I brought any food, but I had jet boil for making coffee. I think we had some Becca bars. Had some Becca bars. Yeah. Becca bars are uh, our friend Rebecca Spring makes these uh, granola, chocolate chip, raisin, not raisin, like cranberry, dried cranberry, big bars with all oh, they're good. So good. Becca bars. We I did we did have some Becca bars, and yeah. as we're coming out of there. <clears throat> I was. It was the only time I've really thought we're gonna have to stay the night on the mountain. I was envision taking the wool saddle pad off my mule and using it as a blanket and wadding up underneath it. And I, I really thought there was no other way. And at this point is when we pull out the Onyx, our Onyx on our phones, yeah. and we find a route that we previously had not seen that came through it was it was a legal route to get out of this place yeah. that took us directly down the mountain and we found it and i want to take just a second here to talk about and this is a un this is this is a just a off the cuff plug for onyx ridiculously good and i said this while we we're on the mountain colby people talk about fair chase these days you know what makes a fair chase hunt I mean, just let's hunt like they did 500 years ago when it was just man versus beast and no technology. Can't bait bears. Talk about fair chase. Man, on X ought to be not fair chase. 
<laughs> and I'm, I'm joking. I'm exaggerating to make a point about how good these this Onyx mapping system is. We would not have been able to do what we did in six days of hunting without Onyx. We'd have been lost. We would have been lost. We would have been. We wouldn't have been able to find roads. We wouldn't have been able to find private land boundaries. Like ridiculous with Onyx. I joke. I joke all the time with people about like they're upset with us for using bait for bears for using hounds for bears saying that that's fair chase let me tell you what's not fair chase using onyx <laughs> i'm obviously joking i yeah. think we should be able to use onyx it makes yeah. the backcountry experience better but there's all these different ways to evaluate how we gain advantage over an animal and for someone to turn a blind eye to optics do you think uh prehistoric man had optics we would have never found this bear without high quality optics on the first night yep. from three or four miles away so, I mean, people have to, if people are not wanting to be powerfully hypocritical, they've got to be real careful about where they pass judgment on ways that people hunt. And obviously, at Bear Hunting Magazine, we are pro-predator hunting in every legal method hunting that's based upon science for regulating predator populations for the good of the whole ecosystem, for the good of the ungulates, and for the good of the bears themselves. And so, hounds, bait, trapping, whatever is legal we gotta we gotta maintain it and inside the honey and this is a perfect segue into my pet peeve is that there's all these people that are big game hunters and and don't understand baiting and hounds and these different things and sometimes by their but inadvertently they are actually against us in some way by the way the stance that they take on these things and that's hurting the whole hunting community and so we can use bait well you get to use onyx okay <laughs> I hope that point is clear. It was, it's kind of a joke. but it's, I'll use Onyx with baiting. <laughs> man, Onyx with baiting is basically equivalent to hunting out of a helicopter <laughs> with a machine gun For and Ted Nugent. <laughs> Ted, Ted Nugent. Nugent, helicopter, machine gun is equivalent to baiting bear using Onyx <laughs> Yeah, with Colby Moorhead. Yeah. Okay, bam. There and we go. Smoky. And Smokey. And Smokey. Yeah, Smokey should not be fair chase. Yeah, Smokey's not fair chase. <laughs> so... We're we're in a predicament. We think we're going to have to spend the night. We basically navigate our way through some private land and find a way out, okay? And we end up at dark riding up to the house that we were staying at the night before. And we're supposed to be driving our truck back to this place. Well, we actually were going to camp. We ride our mules down these, like, paved roads and get back to our host's home, <laughs> knock on their door and, like, hey, can we borrow your truck? to go get our truck yeah and we had gone about 18 and a half miles that day which yeah. was an incredible day and and you know to me that is a power that that day was an iconic experience for big game hunt big game hunting for me i mean we worked our tails off went into new country found the bear that we were after got a shot at the bear we were after failed got in a sticky situation with daylight thought we were gonna have to spend the night on the mountain without provisions Ended up using technology to navigate through and ended up back to where we're going after dark, but after a hard, long day. And after a day like that, you do feel accomplished. You don't feel victorious because we, if we'd have killed the bear, we'd have felt victorious, but you feel accomplished. I feel victorious just for surviving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You did get, man, you, when when you rode 18 miles and stayed on that day, I was like, we're going to be okay. Yeah. Colby, yeah, and I and I actually thought, I was right. I knew he could do it. <laughs> and you knew you could do it, too. 
mostly. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people that couldn't have, though, uh, and yeah. I say that as a compliment to you. I remember uh, just, like, my legs giving out with the times that we had to lead, and I was just kind of like, I had that grandpa walk down the mountain. <laughs> it was like yeah. angles, angles, but just like little, like, half steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it it was a great day. So let's let's skip through the next two days. Basically, the next two days were fairly uneventful. We tried some new areas. We yeah. went into some new places. We we stayed overnight in one place, glassed a big valley. The next morning, glassed the same valley. Didn't see any bears on the second day. Yeah. Third day, we ended up having to come back out for some provisions, for some water, to charge some batteries. Went back up on the mountain where we shot the bear on the first day. We got up there, spent the evening glassing, and did not see a bear that evening. That's correct. We didn't see a bear. There were two days we didn't see bears. There were two two days? Okay. I think so. Let's just say that for all purposes. Yeah. We we certainly didn't put a stalk on a bear on day three. Yeah. It was day four when things started heating up. But on day th- yeah. day, so the morning of day four. Yeah is when from our camp, and by this time we've now spent two nights in the back country, and we're camping up where we missed the bear on the first day. Yeah, We're, we're, we're overlooking this big draw. It's a burn area, so there's patchy timber, but you can see in multiple directions long distance. Yeah. And the thing about hunting up here is like you could see a bear, like have clear sight of a bear, but him be hours away from you. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's hard for people to understand. It's hard for me to understand. Like sometimes when I think about hunting the West, I'm just like, well, there's a bear. Go go kill it. Yeah. Man, it is not that easy. I think the other thing about where we were camping was the fact that the wind was great for where we were. We weren't going to be blowing out a lot of a lot of bears if they were close. You know, yes. we were, the way we came in with the wind, it just was blowing our scent away from the areas where we had seen that bear Absolutely. before. Absolutely. And so I think I don't think we would have camped there if we didn't have the new access to come in from that other direction. That's you right. Know? But it would end up being perfect. Well, and we hadn't talked about the new access yet. Oh yeah. We we skipped over that. Yeah. We we basically looked up a landowner, went and contacted him by phone, and just said, "Hey, we're from Arkansas. We kind of pulled the Arkansas mule card, yeah, which gets a lot of sympathy and empathy. Yeah, seems to. Um, and we're like, hey, we're bear hunting. Would it be possible to?" go through your land and he was like sure no problem if people ask i don't have any problem yeah and uh and i said well thank you so much and i said i want to come by and meet you and and he was like well okay if you want to do that we went over and shook his hand talked to him for a minute he was an old outfitter petted the dogs petted his dogs that was key yeah Um, we accept your animals too (laughs) (laughs) so we we gained access and that's the reason we're able to get back in there i'm glad you said that because that sometimes these stories all come together the first day we had to ride 12 miles to get to that spot now we only had to ride three or four miles to get to that spot because of the new access we had so day four we're glassing and you spot a bear across the canyon at uh nine o'clock in the morning somehow somehow yeah it's just like a little opening between the trees and i spotted him and then i whenever i came and told you came back we couldn't find him <laughs> yeah. yeah you were just like i know it was a bear <laughs> he <clay."> was there <laughs> and it looked like you yeah, i remember you saying it looked like a good bear yeah i mean just a mature just a just a solid bear yeah and and so from there we we glass and glass and glass try to find this bear again and we can't find him but there's a lot of timber over there so we just figure he's in the timber well, 
we decide to go down the mountain to get directly across. Didn't you glass him before we made the move, like right before we moved? That's right. That's yeah. right. I, I, we finally found him at two hours later. Yeah. It was at 11 o'clock. He was walking down that logging road. Yeah. About probably a quarter mile from where you originally saw him. Yeah. And he, yeah, you're right. He was walking down the logging road and we saw him disappear into a little patch of timber. Yeah. Do you remember? I do. And, and that's actually where I ended up, spoiler alert, killing the bear the yeah. next day. Yeah. We see him going to this patch of timber and we're like, okay, he's in that timber. We got to get down across the canyon from him and watch that block of timber until he comes out. So yeah. we, we ride the mules uh, probably a mile from our camp. We let them a ways. Well, we had to lead them because yeah. we we had to traverse through a bunch of stuff where there wasn't yeah. trails or anything. And we, we got directly across the canyon from this bear and just staked him out. I remember we got there, I don't know, 1230 or 1 o'clock. Something like that. And, and, and the whole time we're riding, we, we, we saw the bear go into the timber at 11. The whole time we're riding, we're glassing this, like making sure he doesn't leave. And we finally get over there, and we're confident that he's still there. We felt like if he'd left, we'd have seen him. We just set up camp. We're still probably six, 700 yards away across the canyon. Wind is perfect. It's never going to hurt us. And we just set up camp right there, metaphorical camp. We just yeah. sit down and glass. Yeah. Um, while we are sitting there waiting for this bear at 4 o'clock, a bear appears 126 yards away from us on our side of the mountain. And I'm sleeping. Colby's asleep. <laughs> Dead asleep. I wake up to rocks being chunked at me. <laughs> yeah, I start. Colby's like 10 feet away, um, laying down on the other side of this log. And I I, I hollered at you first. Or, you know, <laughs> a, a muffled holler. Yeah. You know, Colby, Colby. <laughs> and, you, and so I picked up a rock and threw it and hit you. Yeah. You did it didn't budge you. <laughs> I threw another one, bam, and then your eyes popped open and I said, There's a bear right here. Yeah. And you jump up, grab the camera, the bear is walking directly towards us. And pretty quickly I was able to evaluate that it wasn't a bear that I was interested in taking. Yeah. But it still took a few minutes. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't, you know, a shooter bear. Yeah. And and you had a tag. Yeah. And after watching the bear for just a short, I mean, just the second that I realized I didn't want to shoot it, I said, do you want to shoot that bear? Yeah. And you said, yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> and and so we switched places. You yeah. jump on the gun. This bear doesn't know we're here, and he's walking straight towards us down a road, like feeding on grass. I mean, in my mind, when you jumped down on the gun, it was like, we're going to be skinning a bear yeah. in about 20 minutes. And uh, what happened? As soon as I touched the gun, that that bear just decided he was gonna go up a path up the forest. Like I don't think he knew we were there. It just he just kind of just went up through the trees. Yeah, never had a shot. I mean, it was miraculous. Yeah, and then later we had what two coyotes that came up and went up that same path. Yep. So like step for step, yeah, followed the same path as that bear. Yeah. So, Colby. Colby's opportunity slipped through his hands, which uh, truly, I, 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 that's the only part of the trip that I look back on now, and I just wish it had been different because it would have been awesome if you'd have killed a bear. Yeah, and you know the rest of the trip you never got an opportunity to. No. Um, no. So, 
when that bear leaves, we, we continue to watch across the hillside for the big bear. He never shows, never shows, never shows, never shows. Finally, it gets like 7 o'clock, 7.30. We've been sitting there since 1 or 2. Yeah. We've been sitting there for six hours. I think we sit there for six hours. And um, we decide that we're going to walk down the trail to get a little bit different vantage point. Yeah. We go down to that vantage point. And we leave the mules where they are. We leave the mules. We start glassing. And what do we spy? Blondie. A spectacular blonde bear down, way down in the canyon. We'd been kind of looking up high. Pretty much people had told me, and, and what we had seen was that the bears were between four and 6,000 feet. That's just typically where they were. Well, this bear was probably 3,000 feet down in the bottom of this valley. And it was, man, I'll never forget finding that bear in the binos. Because when I first came on it, the bear wasn't moving. It just looked like this bright, out-of-place yellow dot. And I was just like, no way that's a color-faced bear. But dang, it sure looks like one. Its butt was facing me, so mm-hmm. I couldn't see its profile. I could see this just like bright blonde yellow hump. Yeah, I get to watching it, and it didn't move. But before it, it, it I just I was like, "That's a bear, color face bear." And finally, it moved. I saw its head, and I was like, "That is a color face bear." Ranged it. It was seven hundred yards away. I'm like, "Colby, we got to get down there quick. Time to we, mobilize." We barrel off the mountain. And uh, get pretty quickly within 350 yards of it. Wind's in our favor. I, I get down on the gun, and I'm going to take that shot, 350 yards. Yeah. Um, and dial it in, and the bear just kind of is is actually moving away from us. So by the time I get down, I just almost squeeze the trigger a couple times, but then like, no, no, wait, wait. And finally, the bear kind of goes out of sight. So we pick up all our gear bust after the bear and then it kind of becomes a rodeo yeah of us of me trying to get a shot on this bear and what ends up happening is we're on a road above this bear you know a logging road yeah just to shut off small overgrown logging road not overgrown but and and this bear is down a very steep hill directly below us and we can just see parts of the bear like i can see the top of the bear's back i can see that's mainly the challenge I was faced with. I had your shooting sticks, yeah. and I'm looking downhill just right at this bear. It's an odd shot angle. And basically, we move up and down the road multiple times trying to get a shot on this bear as it's moving down the mountain. It has no idea that we're directly above it. Yeah, the thermals are going up at that point. Yeah. And so, it's. I mean, this is about to happen. And... Uh, I remember right before I squeezed the trigger, I turned to you and I said, I don't think that's a very big bear. Yeah. And now that I reflect on it, it was not a very big bear. I believe it was a sow. Most of these real bright colored bears out west are sows. Oh, well, we saw another sow that first day, right? With two cubs, the color phase ones. Oh, that's right. We did. We forgot about those. First day we saw a sow with two cubs. Um. But here I am on the now the third trip to Montana. This is the closest I've been to a bear. And, you know, from my position, I want to shoot older mature males. I mean, I preach that. And uh, I wasn't sure about this bear. I mean, it's it was only upon reflection that I really was like, yeah, that was a sow, 100%. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm going to take this bear. I mean, the, the, the 
14th or 15th cumulative day of hunting in Montana. Three trips. I mean, this is a big deal. And yeah. and I've I've never I have that's the only bright blonde bear. Well, I have seen one in Saskatchewan. I take that back. I saw a bright blonde bear in Saskatchewan. But spectacular animal. Yeah. Western bear. This is this is this is a bear I want to take. Long story short, I bury the crosshairs on that bear's shoulder and shoot and now I hadn't even told you this. I went back and looked at the footage. Yeah. Like just on the big screen. I was I was fourteen inches above that bear's back. Wow. I'm serious. The 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 ground just poof it hit some rocks. Wow. I mean it it was that it was I bet it was fourteen inches over that bear's back. I'm glad the cameraman captured that. You did. You were right <laughs> right over the shoulder. Yeah, and they'll get to see it on Bear Horizon too. <laughs> yeah. I'm not ashamed to put it on there. And I missed the bear. Yeah. It bounds off like a gazelle. That and was, I had the arc, the the range compensating or the yeah. the, the angle compensating rangefinder, your yeah. vortex. Yeah. Bam! The bear was fifty-two yards. Yeah. I think in in line of sight, it was probably eighty yards. I mean, it was that steep. Yeah. And uh, to this day, and I and I, I wish someone could explain to me the the gun is zeroed at two hundred yards. I had the gun at zero. Um, and. I just put the crosshairs mid-body. I mean, I was just thinking, you know, I might be an inch or two high. I, re- I really wasn't thinking, to be honest. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I had a rest. I was steady, squeezed, and I was way high. Yeah. So maybe somebody could give us some insight for why I missed. We we kind of speculated. And the bear bounds off, and, and that's it. And, and I actually went down there. We weren't and, sure. You know, just made sure that the bear wasn't laying down there dead. You know, we looked. We actually came back the next day and looked for the bear. We we went way out of our way, went down to the bottom of that drainage, scouted around down in there, yep. and never the bear. The bear is still being a bear. Yeah, out there today, man. So now it's day four, and I've missed two bears. Well, but then did I miss another one? I'm forgetting, Colby. <laughs> no, 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 no. But the end of that day. You went back for the mules, and I stayed there, and then I see the bear that we were initially after going back the opposite direction, like going the direction from which he came. And so we would have never had a play on that bear from where we were with what what he was doing. Yeah, so after we shoot this colored bear, we see the bear that we were originally after. And, oh, man, he just strutted down that mountain 700 yards from us. Not a care in the world. No way we could have got to him. Uh -uh. I mean, it was a... But we did get intel from that, that the bear was on that side of the mountain. And, you know, we hoped he would still be there the next day. Yeah. So we go back to our, our backcountry camp and eat a couple of mountain houses. You didn't. I did. Yeah. Um, I, I went into some mode where I just didn't hardly eat. Yeah, <laughs> you there. really did. We He didn't hardly eat. And now that was the day that I, well... By the time I dropped off the mountain and came back up, I think we figured out climbed about twenty two hundred vertical feet that day. Yeah. Um, um, we we wake up the next morning. Let's just jump to the next day, which is day five. Yeah. And uh, then we go out because we're needing water and stuff. I think that's right. Yeah, because we didn't hunt until that afternoon. Yeah, we had to for some reason we had to come out. Yeah. We did go out. I think and, we needed water and just like different things. Yeah. I think that's the morning of the epic breakfast. 
Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, we had a big breakfast down at the yeah. down at the the spot, the lodge. Yeah. Um, the water. But we go back in because we now have this this shortcut into this place. It's not that hard. It you know it takes us about two hours by mule to get back to our camp. So we get back to our camp. Uh, we get back to our camp. Kind of late. Yeah, it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, it might have been even later than that because I, I stay there to set up camp. Because we were tearing down camp and setting it up every day because yeah. we remember we're trying to stay mobile. So we get back to camp at 3 or 4 or maybe even 5. Yeah, I think it's closer And to I say we make the decision – Colby, you just stay here at Glassroom Camp, set up our camp, and I'm going to take off on foot. We're going to leave the mules here. Let them rest. And so I go out to the point where we'd set up the day before where we'd seen the bear. And it took me – I mean, I hadn't glassed 30 minutes, and I saw the bear. Yeah. And he's in basically the same spot, the same patch of timber. And I watch him and watch him and watch him, and I can't decide which direction he's going to go. Because the direction that he goes will will determine which direction that I go. Yeah. And if he goes out the mountain to the south, yeah, he'll he's kind of out of play. But if he goes to the north, back up to the head of the hollow, oh man, it's game on. I can yeah. meet him. Well, yeah, the, all those roads kind of narrow to that point, and so right you can towards the head of the hollow. So you're basically the closer coming you get, together like a top of a triangle. Yes, yeah. the closer you get, closer you get to the head of the hollow, the the closer the shot distance is across the canyon. Yeah, and I I'm glassing this bear from a different spot, and you know not knowing what's going on, I'm like, man, that bear's so you moving see, slow. I you see, the, see bear. the bear too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was a different, no, nah, it was the same bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, so I'm trying to determine what this bear is going to do, and finally, it's kind of like he's just stalling over there. I, and I, I felt like he only had two decisions and that he was going to do one or the other, go north or south, but he really didn't. He kind of just stayed there. Um, but it was hard to determine that because he would be out of visibility and invisibility. And basically, I felt like he was going to go back to the north, which would have been to my advantage. And so I start heading up the hollow but he never comes. And long story short, I make the decision to try to beat darkness and go get on his side of the mountain. It's kind of like he's not doing anything. I'm going to have to go over there to him. Yeah. And so I just start hooking it. And it's a couple of mile walk, uh, I, you know, around the head of this canyon. And, I mean, I'm, I remember I'm just walking as fast as I can walk. Yeah. Just just pound and pound and pound it. Now, I wasn't having to – there was only one time when I had to – gain some elevation um but for the most part it was relatively easy walking others just long distance other than this one section where i had to gain about 500 feet elevation um and basically i i get over there and it at this point it really didn't matter if the wind was in my favor or not i mean we're on day five i know there's a bear back over here and luckily the wind was in my favor but even if it wasn't i think i still i still would have gone i mean yeah. we we're, we're we, there comes a point in a hunt when you just have to make something happen and you just have to like feel you just have to say something good is going to happen and so i come around this point and man the bear is just right there yeah he's 169 yards standing on this logging road and when i say road this is like 
a, a – what do they call it? A defunctionalized road. There's a phrase that they use out there, a reclaimed road. I mean, it hadn't – you couldn't have ridden a four-wheeler on it. I mean, just a old logging road. Yeah. And the, and the bear is right there. And, I mean, that's totally in range. He doesn't know I'm there. 169 yards. I mean, that's like a chip shot. And, man, the excitement and satisfaction of seeing that bear – was incredible. Of all my hunting experiences, it was as good as any of them in terms of, and it's kind of hard to describe because of the the work that we'd put in up until that point, not with just this hunt, but with the other two. And it's like, finally, I'm really within striking distance of a bear. Going to have time to get down on him. He doesn't know I'm here. It's just perfect. And I get in a prone position, you know, put the gun zero to 200 Put it right behind the shoulder. Bam. You hear the shot go off. Yeah, I heard you the shot. You can't see us. You can't see us. I have us. no idea what's going on. I just knew one shot meant one of you is going to die. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You were like, please don't miss again. Go yeah. You watched me miss twice at long and close. And you're like, man, he's he's explored the gamut of potential misses here. Yeah. yeah. I decided that the third time's a charm where I'm going to start giving you a hard time. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Well, it, in between, too, it's to note that we went and shot the gun up yeah. on the mountain because yeah. we were like, it's something wrong. Yeah. Missed twice, uh, one at close range, one at long range, you know, is the gun off? And we did go and shoot. It hit and it right where it Shot at 200 yards at a rock, about probably seven-inch rock, and just dusted splat, it. Just, yeah. So we felt good about the gun. Mm-hmm. But still, after missing twice, it does take some of your confidence. But when I squeezed the trigger, I, I I felt like the bear was hit. You know, sometimes with a rifle shot, it's amazing. You you don't you, you feel like they're just going to roll over. But I, you know, I hit him in the lungs. So, yeah. so if I'd hit him in the shoulder, he probably would have folded up. But oh my god, I wish that would have happened. That would have been easier. <laughs> he still would have barreled off there because he was off the edge of the road. Oh okay. But he might have just rolled down there. 50 feet rather than 100 yards <laughs> yeah he but when i shot he sailed like a superhero off that mountain and i just i never see him again it was just a flash and i run over there thinking i'm going to get a second shot if he's still moving and i hear him i don't hear him death moan but i hear him growling down there pretty much if you hear a vocalization i've found after a shot it's usually a good thing and uh felt like the bear was dead I go over there and pretty much immediately just go down to the bear and, and I find the bear. Um, find the bear probably 80 to 100 yards below the road. And that sounds like he ran far. He didn't run far. He just he probably made three or four big bounds and then just rolled. But that's how uh, it, far it was. It was pretty, it was pretty down. It was, a, it was straight down. Yeah. So, man, uh, I was incredibly excited. Uh, made it back to camp surprisingly before dark. And per Onyx, I'd traveled like seven and a half miles round trip that afternoon from camp. And, man, we went back in there the next day with the mules, and it's kind of a, another story. But uh, one of the big things that we didn't know was whether our mules would carry a bear. Yeah. We didn't. We really didn't know. Izzy was untested. Izzy, Izzy's carried coons, turkeys. I know she'll carry a deer. I've, I had a, a deer here that I – put up on her back um she's had some bad experiences with bears though when we were baiting bears in arkansas she had some we had some live bears come in on us while we were baiting bears multiple times kind of freaked her out 
And Smokey's the great mystery. Yeah, and we don't know about smoke. I mean, a mule could go either way. You could have the best mule in the world, quote-unquote, like riding mule, and him be petrified of game. We do not know. Yeah. We don't know Smokey's history. Trey had only bought Smokey about a year before and had never carried big game on Smokey. Just carried squirrels on him. So, man, we start bringing up meat and hide, and that's a whole other story, but we got it up out of there, quartered him up on the side of the mountain. Brought him out of there in game bags. Dig footholes to get back up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was a, it was a true Western experience for a hundred yards. Like if we had to pack that thing out of there, oh, it wouldn't have been that bad once we got it up out of that ravine. Then it had just been two hours of just kind of downhill walking. Yeah, but basically. Izzy was okay with the meat, and to make a long story short, she carried the meat no problem, but she flipped out on the hide. Yeah. So for all you following Project Honey Mule, um, I've got to be honest about the update. She flipped out. I mean, flipped out to the point I thought she was going to hurt herself. Yeah. Uh, she's tied. She's tied to a tree, and uh, I mean, I think like she's gonna break her neck trying to get away from this bear hide yeah, or break the lead she hit it hard yeah so much so that i tied another rope onto her halter thinking she's gonna break that lead yeah and bust out of here and we're gonna have to catch her and at least we'll have another lead on her that maybe we can catch her well we just took our time uh if there's one thing that i do understand about training equine animals is you just got to give them time and you can't pressure them so we sat there with that hide within about 30 feet of her for probably 20, 30 minutes. Just chilled out. Just kind of sat around, messed with the animals. I put the meat on Izzy, which I was very happy with. Very yeah. pleased that I, that she let me put the meat on her. I had no problem with that. Um, I'd bring meat over, and my hands were just covered in bear smell. And I would feed her these, you know, our, our range cubes. So she's having to put her nose down in bear and and, and eat. Uh, I've fed her on top of some of the meat bags, like put grain on them, uh, or you know the the cubes. And but every time I would inch towards her with that hide, she would flip out. Yep. So pretty much this is a stressful situation because we don't know if Smokey's going to do the same thing. Long story short, we bring Smoke over, and he could care less about that bear. Yeah. I mean, I, I put some range cubes on the bear hide, and he's just like, oh, cool, range cubes. <laughs> yeah. He's just like eating the range cubes off of this bear hide. And I'm like, okay, that's a good sign. I mean, a, I, I was praying. Yeah. I really was. I was just like, God help us to make this work somehow. And, man, smoke saved the day. Yeah. And uh, we just threw that hide over the saddle horn, smoke, and just came out of there. No yeah. big deal. And then Iz, like she was getting closer and closer and getting okay with it. Like, yeah. So I think I think Smokey even helped her some <laughs> again, sure. you know. So for two hours coming out of there, yeah, she was riding right behind Smokey, who's carrying this bear hide. She's downwind of it. She's watching it. So it was actually a, a great experience for yeah. her. I mean, when we stopped, she even like went up, put her nose up to it, sniffed right. it. Like, and see, these are the things that you have to do as a animal trainer. Is that you know like somebody that didn't that didn't know might have just been like well that mule's never gonna carry carry hides you know that mule never carry a bear hide 
Or if we'd have pressured her, we truly could have ruined her from it. Yeah. Like if I would have just been just like thrown it on her yeah. and just said, buck all you want. I mean, like that would have been a massive mistake that you might not ever be able to recover from. Yeah. But the way we did it, I was I was very happy. I mean, I would have been real happy if she just walked up there and I could have just thrown it on her back, but it didn't happen. Yeah. And so, but she carried all the meat out of there and out of there we came. Yep. We got back to the truck about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We yeah. left our camp at daylight. So it took us like mm, eight hours Yeah, with mules to get that bear out of there. Yeah. We were that far back. It just it was just hard. It just everything about that kind of hunting is hard. Yeah. Uh smoke got wore out. I mean, yeah. this last trek, this is day 6 now. And per Onyx after the full thing, we had traveled, I think I calculated like 58.5 miles or something. Yeah. By the time we f- finished day 6 with the bear hide out. And on the way up the mountain on day 6, smoke was pretty much done. He was at Yeah, he wasn't loving life. He was just like, I mean, he he wasn't lame, you know. Sometimes you can get an animal in the back country and they they just pretty much get where they can't walk. Yeah, and they just need to rest two or three days, and that's a bad situation to be in. Smokey just found his granny gear and just would chug along, but every chance he he would get, he would want to go back down the mountain. Yeah, you know, but he was trying to. Take he just you. found his low gear, and he's like, "This is what I'm willing to give." <laughs> and we finally, on the way up, had to get you off of him. Yeah, and we had to walk him. Yeah, just to get him going. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, the the way down the mountain he did great. Yep. And man, we came out of there feeling like a couple of heroes with a bear hide over the saddle horn and meat. And and Colby, to me, that was a iconic moment that as a bear hunter I wanted to experience. Yeah, equine based. My mules. I mean, smoke wasn't my mule, but close yeah. enough yeah uh my mule that i trained i rode the whole week um we went back in there we killed a bear um you know we've got this this shirt that i made earlier in the year of a, some artwork that i did um i like to draw and stuff anyway yeah. mule riding bear hunter and it's a picture of a guy um coming out with on a mule with a bear draped over the saddle horn yeah. and uh this was that yeah to me and uh you know there's all these different categorization of bear hunts you know i mean you can go to southeast alaska and hunt these bears back in these estuaries you know tidal estuaries and you can go uh to arkansas and hunt bears over bait you can go up north and hunt bear in the boreal forest you can go to the appalachians and hunt bear over hounds with those guys western equine based do-it-yourself rifle hunt bear is its own category. Yeah. And so I've experienced a wide swath of success in all these different types of hunting and I wanted to do it out west and and so it was it was a big deal. Uh, and uh, and it was a great experience. And uh and it was cool getting to do it with you but being your first time out there, first time on mules and uh I mean you you did incredible. Yeah. I mean especially for having 7 days to prepare. Yeah. Guys prepare like six months for these kind of things. Yeah. I just had to get tough quick. <laughs> yeah. And and that's what I it, it that's what I uh commend you for is mental toughness. Like you never you know, when you're you're choosing a hunting partner, Colby never complained. He never he never got a sour attitude. He never you know, yeah, we talked about being sore or 
it being hard. I mean, just, but it, that never was, it was never like Colby wants to go home and, and spoiler alert. If you ever hunt with me, the worst thing that you can do is give that vibe of you want to do something else. I mean, just, it's not a per, it just spoils the whole thing for me. Oh, really? And I've just learned I don't hunt with people like that. Yeah. I mean, my dad taught me that when I was a kid, I mean, like in the sixth grade, if I was like, dad, how long are we going to be here? I think he kind of pounded that out of me. And I was like, I could have taken it negatively, but I took it as positively. I was like, okay, for us to be successful, I cannot let him know that I'm not having a good time. Yeah. And and again, I think that could have warped somebody or not warped, but could have made it a negative experience. Like as soon as I get out of here, I ain't never coming back. Yeah. But for me, it gave me insight into how that you manage type two difficulty. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, it's hard. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't riding 18 miles and missing a bear and the stress of not knowing if we're gonna have to sleep on the mountain with no provisions. I mean, like that's not giggly fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that was stressful to me, but it wasn't like I was going, Colby, we're going to come off this mountain and we're going home. Yeah. I mean, was there times I thought that? Yeah. <laughs> like lots of times in six days of hunting, I'm like, dang, why do we even do this? <laughs> but you just can't say that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a leadership principle. It really is, is that not that you hide your emotions or hide difficulty, but it's like, we're on a mission. We're going to complete this mission. And I'm not. Because emotion, emotions, attitudes are absolutely contagious, you know? Yeah. And that's re- truly what I appreciated about you is you never got discouraged. You were always ready to go. I mean, you know, you never were wanting to take shortcuts. That's the other thing inside of hunting partnerships is sometimes you have somebody that wants to take shortcuts. It's like you really – to do this right, we need to do this this way. Yeah. We need to go up the mountain this way. We need to get there. We need to camp there. We need to do this. And it's harder. And then it's like, well, why don't we just do it that way? Well, we don't do it that way because we want to win. We don't want to lose. We will lose if we do it that way. Well, that's easier. Well, you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I definitely modified some downhills, though. I'm yeah. a I'm a mountain slider. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I tell you, the I was surprised I didn't have holes in the bottom of all my first light, <laughs> my yeah, first no light kidding. pants. No kidding. I mean, that was a way to keep up. <laughs> yeah, you were sliding. Yep, you were sliding on your rear end most of the time on those downhills, but <laughs> it worked. It was steep enough for that. Yeah. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, it was. Well, it was an incredible trip. Uh, we've been, uh, we just wanted to bring to you the totality of this adventure in one podcast. And, uh, you know, I would just say, I would encourage people, go out and spring bear hunt out west. And don't expect to have just immediate success. I kind of did. I kind of felt like the first trip out there would be bringing home a bear. Then there's lots of people that do. I mean, it's really just a game of 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 uh, chance and finding that moment of good fortune, mm-hmm. like uh, of, of just when you when you connect on a bear. And I mean, maybe that happens on the third day of your first time out west. Maybe it does, but maybe it doesn't. And I and I, I don't think I was prepared for that. Uh, because the second time I went and made the 24-hour drive home by myself in a vehicle without a bear, I was just like, dang, I don't want to do this again. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what you think. Um, 
and I actually took a year off and then came back and uh and and we were successful and now I'm starting to build this build this database of ways that I feel like it takes to be successful out west. I think you got to be mobile. You got to be willing to get into backcountry and stay there if there are bears, but if there are not bears, you got to be able to get out of there. Um you got to be willing to sit in glass. Um those are the keys for me being mobile but the the main key was we didn't overcommit. like when we would go in we would just take the provisions that we needed to just stay like one or two days if 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 it had been much more of a production than that i think it would have slowed us down too much but we're pretty mobile and we made it work yeah and it was early season hunt uh i believe i killed the bear on may the 5th it was whatever that Sunday was. Yeah. yeah. Or May the 5th or 6th. Uh, I think it was the 5th. Oh, yeah. I told you that you'd never look at Cinco de Mayo the same way again. Yes. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, what your closing thoughts on the hunt, Colby? Oh, it was definitely hard. Uh, it was fun, though. It's one of those hunts that you know that it's just so hard you're going to appreciate it afterwards. You know, the yeah. one, one that you're going to look back on fondly. Um, definitely learned a lot. I mean, this was my first like backcountry hunting that way like I've been you know kind of on a backcountry hunt but it was like truck hunt I mean camping wall you hunt, know wall tent yeah wall tent and driving it, in a truck driving the roads glassing here and there and uh, it was just a totally different experience and I mean it was it was really it was really good and um you know I think it definitely is going to to help with my ability to navigate those things in the future like looking at switch but those switchbacks a different way learning where like you can uh go from one road to the other to cut out a, a half mile or or whatever yeah uh, i mean the mules was a big thing i mean even like like the first day we side hilled a lot and that's like that was a weird feeling you know i was like man the saddle's not gonna slip off or or something right and uh i was definitely impressed with everything that the mules could do um and i think like after that first day whenever we uh, learned how to manage the relationship between the two mules where Smokey just wanted to be on her heels. Yeah. It, it helped a lot. Yeah. Uh, at least for, for me. Uh, but I think like just being able to push through those things, it just like builds character like inside of you to just, you know, whenever you come up against something, I think the biggest thing about these backcountry hunts is you come to a point of like flexibility to where it's like, well, that didn't work. What now? You know, like yeah. how do we adjust and how do we engage this particular scenario to where we can come to a point of success, you know, or yeah. whatever success is inside of our minds. Um, yeah. But I think just the ability to be flexible and fluid, you know, like if you're a tree stand hunting, you're just going to go and you're going to sit in that stand for the most part. Right. You might hunt to and from it, but for the most part, you're committed to that thing. And right. I think that being mobile and, and moving back and forth and just, you know, just being being fluid with what your plans are and not holding on to them too tight uh i think that was a big thing because i mean you wouldn't have had a shot at that blonde bear even if we had sat there and that bear went the opposite way like just being willing not to hold on to anything too tightly i think was was a important key yeah uh you know even being willing to shoot that other bear you know what happens to the other one well this bear's right here you know that's right yep so well incredible experience and this is we're gonna have multiple multiple more podcasts from the montana tour like we said we we interviewed uh 
Joe Condellas, we interviewed Brian Strickland, we interviewed Aaron Snyder, all on this trip. They weren't necessarily about this trip, but we referenced this trip on, on this podcast. Yeah. But, hey, thanks for joining us, and uh, keep the wild places wild, because that's where the bears live. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. 